Welcome back to our second episode of the Dragons Y'all Recap Podcast. My name is Jamie. I am your host along with hosts Angelica and Ryan. We are proud to present to you episode two, The Rogue Prince. And you have just finished live tweeting with us under the hashtag Dragons Y'all. And you're now going to hear what we have to say about this episode. So if you are ready to dive into what you have just seen, then get ready because we've got a lot to talk about. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Dragons Y'all Recap Podcast. for tuning in to this episode of the Dragons Y'all Recap Podcast. We are excited to bring to you yet another episode. We are now diving into episode two. Last week was amazing, intense, and we're going to talk a little bit about what happened last week. And of course, we're going to dive into episode two. My name is Jamie. I am your host, and we have Angelica, our moderator, who gives our outline and background of to what the episode is about, and we also have Ryan here. Thank you, Angelica and Ryan. I'm excited to talk with you guys this week. Yes. Hey, we're back. Dragons, y'all. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm so excited to talk about this new season, this new series. It seems like it's really taken off with Twitter. It was like the number one trending hashtag. I think all like three of the official hashtags. We're trying to get ours to trend. <laughs> we have to wait for it to catch on. Um, but I was it was so much fun live tweeting and like Jamie live tweets from Black Girl Geeks. I've like tweet uh, live tweet from Black Girl Nerds and we just kind of like feed off each other. So it was a good time. What did you guys think of like the premiere night? Uh, I mean, I was going to say you guys had more fun than I did, probably like just interacted with people because I know they had to be like going in with like some of these <laughs> scenes and, um, you know, just being back in that world. Um, like you said, like the 10 million viewers who was shocked because everybody waited like two or three years just to come back, like something to come back after GOT um, to be introduced into that world again. But yeah, I mean, you guys got to tell me like what was like what was tweeted the most, like what character was talked about the most. Ryan, I'm surprised that you don't. Know. I'm surprised you don't live tweet the show. I know. Or at least join along. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to, like, necessarily always tweet from your account, but, like, have your phone. Out. Like, I always have my phone out while I watch. So, yeah, that is surprising. <laughs> well, I kind of, I'm kind of like a little bit of an old person where I have to get up, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Like, I'm a little bit of an old person, but. I have to get up early, but I'm going to try. I got to get into this because I'm excited now. Like you guys pulling me into the world. Oh, so you watch it like after the, like after it premieres, you don't watch it like at nine o'clock on Sunday night. Yeah. Like I'm old, like I have to be an old person. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, I wish, like, I wish, like I have to get all the after effects. So, but yeah, I mean, I just, I got to do it like at least like sometime because I know it's nuts Mm because it's like next day you get like my Twitter feed is like all like you know, House of the Dragon, like it's just trending everywhere. Yes, 
Yes. Yep. And as you'd mentioned, this is the biggest premiere HBO had. And then I saw another article that's the biggest premiere of 2022. So it beat out Euphoria. It beat out Stranger Things. There was 10 million people that tuned in to the premiere of House of the Dragon. Um, so it was, it was, it's back to event television. That's what I love so much about Game of Thrones. It's just like, it feels like the Super Bowl every Sunday. <laughs> it, it, I like that the dragons. I, I absolutely love it. I mean, I I think the the moment that really got everybody was uh, Queen Emma, and mm. yeah, when she got you know cut open, that that really got people Ooh. going, for sure. Yeah, yeah, people were really upset about that. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was just fun to be back. Um, and I also peeped that Nathalie Manuel caught on to our hashtag she found us <laughs> under dragons y'all so she approves so if you guys are listening you know the Masandi approves of our hashtag so make sure you're using it <laughs> when you yeah, live to that's what us. i'm talking about yep so it was i i really enjoyed it um and then uh <clears throat> you know diving into this week uh you know we when, when the episode opens we actually do finally get a main title sequence um, the showrunners Ryan Condal and uh, Miguel Sapochnik stated they really made it a creative choice um, when they opened up with episode one they, they kind of said like the curtain was up and they wanted to dive straight into the action they didn't want to like stop their momentum with the main title sequence so we have one I we don't know what it is at the moment of this taping because <laughs> we previewed the episodes before they aired <laughs> so <clears throat> Sunday, when the episode comes out, episode two, titled The Rogue Prince, we'll be able to enjoy it like the rest of you guys. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what that turns out to be. Um, nice little teaser. So it's kind of like the downside to, to preview and are getting screeners is that sometimes everything's not done. So we, we kind of get to see everything that's full glory the night of the premiere. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so what were your thoughts, you know? Touching on episode two, The Rogue Prince, what were your thoughts, your initial thoughts for this episode? Um, I, I thought this was very interesting. Like, it's still kind of pulling me in. I feel like like there could have been two other titles for this show. Like, one could have been, did the king really just announce a woman as his heir? Because everybody named Mama in King's Landing has something to say. Like, they were they were ready to go. And then the other one could have <laughs> been, who wants to marry the king? I feel like it could have been the other title of this of this episode. And his dating yes. profile is like, yo, what's your last name? Are you ready to have kids like tomorrow? So, you know. So, you know, like, I, I was with it. I was with it. They pulling me in. I'm ready to go. This is cool. So if, like, Westeros had an app, it definitely would be Tinder, right? Because, like, fire. <laughs> the kid- It's got to be, right? Like, it's got to be. It has to be Tinder. What about you, Jamie? Yeah. So, I mean, the title Rogue Prince in and of itself is twofold, right? So uh, the Rogue Prince is also based on another source text that was written um, not by George R.R. R. Martin. And this is stuff that I've Googled, by the way. I, I do not, have not read this, but um, <laughs> but it is, it's based on a book. And then also we do find out through this episode that Damon himself is very much a Rogue Prince uh, throughout, uh, the story. So Damon is a rogue prince himself in this episode, and we get to see his very rebellious nature. Uh, we get to unpack most or, or if not all of this side of his personality that makes him a character that we are going to grow to 
probably hate or have a little bit of contempt for um, throughout the season. And I'm 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 here for it. I'm here for the drama of it all. Um, but it, it is uh, interesting the the kinds of choices and just sort of this, you know, he he's like this kid that just. If he doesn't get what he wants, then he's going to take things by force and, you know, he's going to steal things out of this candy store, steal the candy out of the candy store and, you know, yell and scream and have a tantrum. Like, he's that kind of kid. And um, it'll be interesting to see how that um, unfolds. But that that's what we learned about in this episode is that the kind of character that Damon Targaryen is. Yeah, he's um, <clears throat> he's very tempestuous. Uh, so yes let's dive into it so um so we open up this episode on the beach uh usually when you're on the beach it's a serene relaxing experience not when the crab feeders involved so we finally get to see what he does to his victims um he basically uh crucifies or i guess nails westerosi sailors to like driftwood and then i guess he has his own arsenal of crabs and he just unleashes them and they feed on you while you're still alive uh this scene was this like it's so this thing was so bad (laughs) i was like i'm i'm glad i was not eating when this scene was was coming down because i was like this is the worst but anyway go ahead continue i was like it was rough. oh yeah yeah it was pretty brutal uh jamie what was your reaction on finally seeing the crab feeders torturing methods Oh, gosh. Yeah, that was intense. Just seeing, I mean, it was gross, too. Just seeing the crabs and and seeing the crab feeder himself. He's just gross to look at. So, yeah, I I also just like how gritty and dry and sandy how they made the scene look just like atmospheric wise. Um, But yeah, he's definitely somebody not to be played with. So. Yeah, not not a beach you want to go to. Um, and we kind of get a glimpse of him. So he's like really scarred. Looks like he's burnt. Like maybe he has a score to settle with the Targaryens because he's so burnt up. I mean, either a fire or, or dragon fire. And then his mask kind of reminded me of the harpies. I don't know if you guys caught that. I don't think he's associated with them, but it just kind of gave me that vibe. Um yeah, he was just not pleasant to look at. So <laughs> at all. <laughs> at all. Uh, but that I guess that's what makes a good villain. So yeah, so we kind of get that opening and then they kind of go straight back to um, the Red Keep. So Sir Ryan, who was the Lord Commander of the Kingsguard, he passed away peacefully, which is not a death that many in Westeros get to experience. He died in his sleep. That never happens. So, you know, RIP to him. Uh, so as a result of his passing, um, the new Lord Commander was named Sir Harold. Um, we saw him in the first episode. He he was the one that was like berating um, Rhaenyra for, you know, riding her dragging. So he's the new Lord Commander. And as such, they have to find a replacement because the King Guards need to have seven members, much like the, the Faith of the Seven, which they represent. There needs to be seven members. One can only guess who that's going to be, but we'll we'll get into that later on in our recap. Um, and then our favorite, you know, dreadlocked, silver-haired man storms in as usual. It's just, it just seems like every time we see Coralie, he's like upset. Do y'all get that? Back? <laughs> uh, like, they're just not listening to him. God, that's why. That's why. They, like, they need to back him up. God, listen to him. 
Yeah, he's um he's upset, rightfully yeah. so, because you know at this point he's warned them of the crab feeder and his you know his army and he said like hey they're going to start like attacking us because i'm assuming as far as placement the stepstones are closer to westeros than it is to essos so four of his ships has been lost the last one was bearing his banner um and i love the line he gives he's like you know i lost all four of my ships while you guys are over here dithering about court business and i was like oh dithering i need to add that to my <laughs> lexicon <laughs> um so otto ever the calm one offers to compensate him for the losses and then corley says like i don't want no daggone compensation i want you guys to do something about this i need you guys to like go after them seize the stepstones by force and drive out the crab feeder um because Currently, they know he's being funded by the free cities slash triarchy. And that's why the small council isn't really a big fan of going up against him because it would be an open war, which they have no idea how, you know, what the losses will be. They said it's going to be incalculable. So at this point, Corus is like, why should the crab feeder fear us? Why should the free cities respect us? You know, you, the king's brother, Damon, seized Dragonstone six months ago. He's been sitting there this whole time with his own army of gold cloaks without any protest from the crown. Um, and then uh, I know you brought this up a few times before, like the way Corlys talks to the small council, including the king, you know, he needs to calm down. And Otto tells him, like, Sir, a seat at the small council does not make you the king's equal. Um, but even so, Viserys takes it in stride and he tells him, like, I am doing something about it. I'm going to send envoys or I've sent envoys to Pentos and Volantis to find common ground. And I've had men at the ready. So, you know, he's more about diplomacy. Corlys is more about action because he's the one that's actually being affected by this. They're kind of, you know, up in their high tower. Um, so I'll pause there for your guys' thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I just love the fact that Corliss is all about the business. <laughs> like, And yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he, by mm-hmm. the way, he's the wealthiest guy in Westeros. He doesn't need financial compensation. <laughs> I don't even think it'll make a dent that he made, that he had this loss with his ships. So uh, the fact that that even was said to him, I thought that that was funny. But uh, yeah, like he really wants to get at the the core of what is happening here and and drive them out by force and and again i the series i have my i have my back and forth with this guy but as a king he's very weak when it comes to decisions he's has this issue with conflict and he just doesn't know how to he doesn't know how to be a king yeah so it's it's uh, unfortunate that he is in that kind of position because you do see even the small council take advantage of the king and his weakness in those moments. And and even seeing Corlys himself exert this sort of power dynamic over the king to where Otto has to say, hey, you, you know where you're sitting at, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, the whole time this exchange is going, we know Rhaenyra is the cupbearer. So she's been listening this whole time and she chooses to jump in at this point. And she says, like, you have dragon riders, you know, herself included. Why not use them as a show of force? And Corliss is down with this. He's like, yes, the princess has a plan. But of course, Otto disagrees um, and kind of kind of like shoes her away, like get out of here, kid. And instead, he basically offers her the opportunity to choose 
um, well, basically Otto disagrees and Viserys is like, she try to soften the blow, tells her, okay, why don't you choose your the new member of the King's Bar because they'll become your personal bodyguard. So we next move to the courtyard. There's like a string of knights. They're all being presented before Sir Harold, Otto, and Rhaenyra. And um, Rhaenys is also kind of spying or watching from the other side of the courtyard. Rhaenyra is not impressed with these men. None of them are really, com- they've never been in battle. They're all tourney knights. So she's like, is there anyone out here that's fought? And then Sir Christian Cole, you know, her little boo thing or perceived boo thing <laughs> shows up. And she's like, okay, so Sir Christian, didn't you fight in the wars? And he's like, yeah, I was a foot soldier for a year in the Stormlands during the Dornish incursion. So she's like, okay, you got the job, hires him on the spot. And Otto's like, wait, 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 we have all these knights here. They could all be great, you know, alliances for your father. Because, you know, even in picking your Kingsguard, that's a way to strengthen the crown by having more powerful families around you. And she's like, nope, I want, you know, the lowborn you know, son of a little known Lord. I want him. So she's like, my dad should be protected by someone that's actually fought. Don't you think? And he kind of just shuts up and he's cute. So he's hired. He's hired. Yeah. I mean, I I think I mentioned it in our last episode. She definitely is feeling him. She's feeling some Kristen and he is easy to look at. And I think Ryan mentioned this too. Where is uh, Rhaenyra's is, you know, sort of helper and where is her Mormont, her Jorah Mormont? This is her Jorah Mormont. Like this Kristen is. And what remains to be seen, will the thirst level <laughs> that Jorah had for Daenerys be the same? I don't know. Um, but I'm I'm ready to, you know, see how that plays out because that, that's a good looking guy to be, you know, thirsty for. <laughs> yes. And I just love how uh, Renera always puts uh, Otto in check because he, he gets he gets on my nerves at some points because I'm like, why is he always he's like he's always there. Like she doesn't have this I'm like she got this. I mean, you know, she got a little like she get her moments where she, you know, get out of pocket a little bit. But it's like every moment you don't have to check her on. And he like always there. So I love that moment where she's like, look, I got I know what I'm talking about. Cause he he looks for that moment like every single time. So yeah, Otto Otto on my list. You know, he on my list. <laughs> yeah, well, he's on everybody's got, list at this point. Yeah, right? um, yeah. <laughs> I, I was gonna say if we could like back it up a little bit. Twitter was not too happy about him pimping out Allison. So <laughs> he's like, dang. Twitter was upset. Um, so yeah. Anyways, <laughs> so we've kind of fast forward to the series who happens to be with Allison. Speak of the devil, um, and he's kind of. I, I kind of like the fact that the series has a hobby. Um, he likes like to build like this little replica of old Valeria. It's almost like um like those older guys that have like train sets. Kind of the same vibe that I get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he has this replica of old Valeria, and he kind of tells Allison. He's so excited about it. He tells Allison about it. You know, um, the city was built you know into a volcano, much like Dragonstone, and the dragon lords who are the highest of the nobility. Um, they live at the face of the volcano, closest to the, their source of magic and power. And I just want to take a quick side note. So he mentioned the dragon lords, the highest of nobility. But it's worth noting that back in old Valeria, the Targaryens weren't this big, famous family. You know, they were pretty, they were lower lords. Um, and it wasn't until they left and con- conquered Westeros that they became, you know, top dog. So anywho, 
So he's telling her about this. And Allison is kind of wondering out loud, will Westeros ever be as great as Valeria? And Viserys is, doesn't think so. You know, at the t- at the height of its glory, there was over 1,000 dragons in the sky. And I think at this point, the Targaryens have between 10 and 17 dragons. You know, they have a, they have a good amount, but not 1,000. Um, so he doesn't think that'll ever happen again. And then while he's talking, we notice his hands are bandaged. So, you know, the pus in his back and looks like it might be spreading to his hands. Um, And he fumbles and he drops a stone dragon and he's just like, oh, seven hells. And she picks it up and kind of hands it to them. They have like this long pause while they look into each other's eyes. So you kind of know the seeds have been sown uh, based off obviously what Otto wants. So um, he also asks her for advice. He asks her, you know, you know, how's Rhaenyra? Because she's barely speaking to him at this point. And he's kind of scared of approaching her. He's like, I'd rather deal with the dragon than deal with Rhaenyra. And Alicent, you know, for her part, encourages him to seek her out. You know, she says, like, you as her father, you should make time for her. And she's confident that Rhaenyra is going to open up to him. So he takes her advice in mind. But then he does something a little sneaky. He asks her to keep their conversations private just between the two of them. And I actually see on her face that she's uncomfortable with this request. Um, so I know we were talking bad about Allison last episode, how she's over here, you know, pushing up on her best friend's dad, but she also doesn't want to keep it a secret. So I'll give her some cool points back for that. <laughs> so what did you guys think about that? <laughs> that exchange between the two of them? I am hmm. still giving her the side eye. Um, I mean, I I know that there is a lot of subtext to fill from the fire and blood source text because obviously mm-hmm. it was, you know, all historical stuff and there really wasn't a lot of character descriptions and dialogue and all of that. So the writers have to be very creative with these characters in House of the Dragon. But Allison does still appear I mean she does appear conflicted you're right it does seem to bother her but I still stand by the fact that she's not disturbed by having these private conversations with Viserys that the fact that she's having these moments where they're looking at each other in the eyes like I don't know like there there's nothing to indicate to me that she even feels uncomfortable being around him like she's she she seems very comfortable you know like even if Otto didn't ask her to do this I think she would probably be hanging out with the series low-key like I really I don't even think her dad would even have to ask her to do this so that's why I'm still thinking uh this whole you know little game that's being played with Otto and and trying to pimp his daughter out yeah it's jacked up but I don't think Allison is exactly like being held against her will in this moment yeah yeah I think she yeah, oh, no, I was gonna I was gonna say I'm yeah sorry, Allison go ahead, got Brian. game like I was gonna I was gonna say like when you get to the like you know we'll get to like more of her later on but yeah I think she working I think she working the system on this one and you know she learned at the hands of her dad um, cause I remember going back and reading a little bit, um, that you kind of touched on as well, where, you know, Jaharis and all those, like, you know, the Kings back in the day when you like by your dad and he's like the hand of all these Kings and you kind of learn, like, you know, you come in there, read him a book. And it's like, well, what you really doing though, Allison? Like you picking up stuff when you come in there, you know, you chilling with the King and they not really thinking about it, um, because of how they view women. So yeah, I think Allison got some game here. I think she knows what she's doing. 
um, you know, she got a little, she got a little like Sansa start, like, you know, the, the, like the last seasons of, of Sansa where she was like picking up the game. Allison got to quit. So I think she, I think she working on something here where you can't sleep on her, but you know, I mean, I don't know how to pimp her out. I will, I will put him on blast for that. You don't got to pimp her out to like the different Kings and stuff. Cause like he right there at, she's at her hand, but yeah, she, she got game. I see you, Allison. I see you. Yeah. I'm kind of where I feel like she is a lady She's being brought up in court. So, of course, I think anyone that is has to live in court has to have some type of game, right? But I do think, you know, she's just obeying her father. And she just, and upon getting to know the series, she's just like, I like him. Like, we have so many interests. We have so many things in common. And I feel like she's digging him now. But I don't think she was necessarily, like, attracted to him or feeling him before her dad sent her on her way in her mother's dresses. <laughs> uh, but, you know... <laughs> We all have a difference of opinion there. But in any case, you know, it's really auto pulling the strings at this point. Um, so, you know, so she spent time with the series and now she's spending time with her bestie, Rhaenyra. Um, they're at the Great Sept and Rhaenyra is complaining to Allison about the small council's desire to marry off her father since it's only been about six months since her mother's passing. Um and Allison's like, okay, well, what if your dad gets married? And, you know, there that that could be something you could read into. Is she saying in general or is she speaking about herself and trying to get um, Rhaenyra's opinion on it? Um, but she kind of encourages Rhaenyra and said, at the end of the day, you know, your dad still loves you and you're still his heir. So he's always going to choose you. And Rhaenyra doesn't feel that way. She feels like he didn't choose her. He just spurned Damon. Um, so, you know, they're having their little moment. They're, they're, they stand in front of the stranger, um, and Allison asked her to kneel. Um, so this is the place where it's the most quiet, where Allison, who also lost her mother, feels closest to her. And Rhaenyra doesn't really get, I guess you can tell that Rhaenyra doesn't have like a quiet mind. And she's like, I don't really know what to do. I've never prayed before. And she's like, hey, whatever you feel like saying, it's between you and the gods. Um, so she ends up kind of like confessing. So almost as all, like Allison is a, is a priest and she tells her that she wishes her dad didn't see her as a little girl. Um, and Allison's like, I think your dad knows who you are, you know, make time for him. Basically the same conversation she had with the series. She's trying to orchestrate, you know, the two of them coming back together as a family. So for that, I will once again, give her some cool points. Um, do you guys think that was manipulation on her part or was she really being sincere and trying to give a series and Rhaenyra to not make up but you know they've been distanced since the, the loss of her mother uh she got a couple checks for that one I give a couple checks for that one because she was trying to you know she was at, she was being the BFF still there um with Rhaenyra um and I like I do like how you pointed out too you get a different side of Rhaenyra there um where you see like you know you can see that like you know that that fire and they're like something's stirring and she's never just quite like still about it and there's so much going on in her head and it's like, well, where do I go? Who do I talk to? What do I say? Um, and that's got to be a lot at her age, you know, to take on this, this, um, you know, what's happening to her being the heir now to the throne and just having like some moment where she tried to get a little peace, but it's, it's just hard for her to calm down. So yeah, I thought that was an interesting thing. Yeah, um, I think she was being sincere. Absolutely. Like I said, I, I just think that um, her kinship to the king, there's some ulterior motives on her part. But as far as her friendship with uh, Rhaenyra's is concerned, I think she's very genuine in, in that respect. I also noticed that there, the praying scene just reeks of dramatic irony 
And I, I just loved seeing, witnessing that, you know, in, in Greek tragedies, um, dramatic ironies when there is a character that doesn't know something that we as the audience do know. So mm-hmm. I, I just love the fact that, you know, he, here we are witnessing this scene between these two characters and Allison knows all of Rhaenyra's business <laughs> that is being told to her father and Rhaenyra's doesn't have a clue about it. And it just was really an incredible scene to, to watch. So it just, it reeked of that dramatic irony that makes, again, really great television. So, yeah. And it plays out later. <laughs> it plays out later in this episode. Um, so, you know, next we see Corlys. Uh, this time he's not mad because um, he's with his wife, <laughs> Rainey's. You know, you, t- you can tell she wears the pants here. And they uh, they meet with Viserys <laughs> on the grounds of the Red Keep, which is really pretty and relaxing. Um, and so Viserys, you know, you, like you said, he likes to please people. And he says, like, thank you guys so much for making time for me. I know things got really heated this morning. And I really value the bond between our houses. And, you know, Rainey's is my favorite cousin after all. So I thought that was a nice little exchange. And Corlys apologizes for his behavior. And Viserys graciously accepts. And, you know, he just says, like, you know, look, as the king, it's my job to avoid war at, you know, at all costs. Um, and Corlys is like, look. The free cities have their eyes on the red keep. They have their eyes on the crown. They know it's vulnerable. The queen's passed away. You've named a girl an heir for the first time ever. You disinherited your brother. He's sitting at Dragonstone unchecked and unchallenged. So they have all this opportunity to pounce on us. I'm just trying to like help us out here. Um, So he kind of smoothly transitions to, so in order to strengthen the crown, strengthen you know, the realm, I suggest you marry my 12 year old daughter. (laughs) And I was like, okay, you know, that, I mean, it happens, you know, it's not the first time in that, in that time frame that, you know, young girls are betrothed to much, much older men. Um, So I was like, Okay, and you know now he finally you know the fact that Rainey's was already looked over as as queen. Now, if, if their daughter marries Viserys, she will be queen, and kind of like that wrong will be undone. Um, so I was like, okay, not feeling it because the last time we saw Lena, she was this cute little curly haired, silver haired child. But okay, if that's what y'all want to do. So um, later we see that he's being treated with like maggots his hands like his pinky finger is like all gray and infected so they're treating it with maggots and he takes this time to ask the grand mass uh grand maester and otto for their opinion about lena so otto of course objects he says lena's too young but the grand maester thinks it's a good idea because they're going to be uniting two great two great valerian houses um it would be a show of unity and you know you know, it, it, it's a good idea. So it'll also strengthen the line because at this point, his only heir is Rhaenyra. If something happens to Rhaenyra, that's it. His his line of succession is gone. So by marrying and having more children, it just helps everybody out in the process. And Otto takes this moment to kind of play on Viserys' emotions. And he says like, oh, you know, I also recently lost my wife. I can't imagine being in your position. I don't envy you. And we're just like, what What are you playing at, dude? So, 
I was gonna say, yeah, I, well, I'll give something here about uh, Corliss here and Viserys. There are different styles of of, um, of ruling. You can tell um, Corliss he knows it's about the fight. Like he knows about that struggle, that fight to keep his position, his crown. As you know, as far as Viserys just being kind of born into it, he's like, oh, well, you know, it's just flowers and rainbows. And we can work this out. He's seeing like the bigger picture. So I love that dynamic between the both of them. You know, Corliss is not angry. He's like, I got to calm down. They putting him in check um, because he is the Viserys still is the king. But I like that moment where you can kind of tell like who knows how to rule and how it goes and the game works and who's like, yeah, this is my title as king. So I'm just going to worry about this over here. But it's like, nah, bro, you got like the whole like Westeros, like you got to keep things in check. You got to know what's going on around you. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not with the whole, you know, I know we're going to get to the 12 year old daughter thing, but Corliss has some points though. Like he knows how he knows what it's like to try to, to struggle and create something that wasn't handed to him. And he's trying to be like, he's trying to give him like hints. He's trying to set him up and Viserys is just not getting, picking up anything. He's not picking up none of it. So yeah, I thought that scene was interesting. Um, well, I was just going to add that, you know, it, the history of the, the Targaryens has been as far as like the inheriting the throne, even prior to this has been very confusing and messy. And mm -hmm. it's just sort of interesting to see, you know, how this tradition has even, how this continues to happen under Viserys rule. Um, Cause I was watching a great YouTuber, by the way, Alt Shift X, if you guys haven't uh, <laughs> catch that YouTube channel, they're doing really great deep dives into House of the Dragon. And they were just talking about, you know, Jaehaerys and like how he had like all of these different kids and all mm -hmm. the kids were kind of vying for who's gonna be on the throne. And so there's been this long history of like, who does the throne belong to? And um, there's never been sort of just, I shouldn't say never, there's just been a long period of time where um, there haven't been any clear lines and definitions as to, you know, where, who should be the heir to the throne. So it's still continuing to play, play out even now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, thanks to Allison's advice, Rhaenyra and Viserys have dinner. Um, and Rhaenyra is like, yeah, we haven't talked in a long time. And Viserys is like, for that, I, you know, I regret, I regret that. Um, and he reassures her that he loved her mother very much and that comforts her. And they have kind of this awkward little pause. She tells her father that she, you know, has selected Kristen Cole. Um, and he's very pleased about that. And then she also apologizes for her outburst in the small council. And he forgives her. She's like, don't think nothing of it. You know, you're still young. You're going to learn. And that, that was a pretty short scene. But just to see that they are working on getting their relationship back on track. I appreciated that. Uh, so now we can get into 12-year-old Lena. <laughs> so Coralie's is watching as the series is taking a walk around the grounds with young Lena. And she's played by Nova Folis Mose. I hope I didn't butcher her name. But she's adorable. She's a beautiful little girl and they did that with her little wig with her silver hair and her curls i was like oh she's so <laughs> she looks like a little doll um so lena asked like what's it like flying valerian or what was it like um and valerian was called the black Th black dread he was one of the last dragons from old valeria and he died so the series is like oh I, I only rode him for a short time and then he died 
Um, and he's like, with him died the memory of old Valeria. So then Lena kind of corrects him in her little cute little girl way. And she says, well, Vagar, um, she's still out there. And Vagar is the largest dragon that's alive in Westeros. She's a she-dragon. She also comes from old Valeria. But she's too big for the dragon pit. So she kind of does her own thing. And, you know, mild, mild spoiler. I hope this is it's not going to ruin anything for anyone. Um, but Lena actually ends up being um Vagar's dragon rider so she's talking about this big giant beast and one day this small girl is going to be riding that that giant giant dragon and you know hopefully later on the season we get to see Vagar um so then this kind of this kind of like broke my heart but it was also kind of cute she gives this rehearsed speech to Viserys about you know it'll be a great honor to join our houses and she'll give him many many children of pure Valyrian blood to strengthen the realm and Viserys is like did your dad tell you to say this and she says yes and then he says what did your mom tell you and she says that I won't have to bed you until I'm at least 14 <laughs> and you can tell Viserys is like super uncomfortable with this conversation uh, so that that was a little much um, what did you guys think of that yeah um this was cringe on top of cringe for me it, it was just seeing the image of this dusty old white man with this or 12 year old black girl uh that really just <laughs> I, I it bothered me it really bothered me and i know that this was the times back then and things of course have changed too with this show with race bending but it just was really cringe on a whole different level for me um and then the fact that she had to rehearse that you know that little quote about marrying houses and we're of pure valerian blood that was gross to me because it's like your dad (laughs) told you to say this and how many times you had to repeat that over and over to memorize it and then have to repeat that to Viserys uh I just wanted a gag at that moment uh Ryan yeah I mean I I they just have so many cringe moments just like all together with GLT and now House of the Dragons where with the women where you're just like I can't take this like why is this a thing but um I will say Lady uh um Lena I'm so like she's badass like I don't want to give away like too much because you know I know we're gonna go on but I and I just think it's so cool like in the future that she gonna be on Vagar because that's like one of the uh original three dragons and it's just like to have to see like this young black girl for her to be on like that's gonna be badass for her to be on that dragon um but this is yeah this scene like yeah I'm not with the 12 year old black girl you got this old white guy like Jamie saying uh you know that ain't really vibing with me but I just want to give her her props for just being dope because like I said I'm not gonna say anything else to, to give it away but she's she's real cool so yeah I can't wait to see and like you said she looks super cute there's a lot of weirdness going on in the scene but she's cute so yeah so yeah you yeah. know Lena is known for being very beautiful as she gets older very beautiful and she not really interested mm-hmm. in men and she'd rather fly in her dragon um so and uh, you know just in her <laughs> conversation with with the series she's talking about dragons so she she know that's her thing yeah yeah she is that's yeah. her thing so yeah she tried she tried to divert this weirdness but you know hey this world is weird what you yeah, gonna say very uncomfortable you can only imagine what's going through her little head and she doesn't even look 12 to me she looks much younger than 12 but We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, she doesn't sound 12 either. I was like, girl, you better get it. It was girl, so cringy. I was just so uncomfortable watching that scene. <laughs> and the parents just hanging out like, oh, you know, we just do this on a Saturday. You know what I mean? Like my 12-year-old, you know, she might get married tomorrow. You know, we got to get the wedding together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, 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 that, 
I'm glad you brought that up, Ryan, because it's like Corliss is in the background, like looking over and seeing the cringe. And I'm just like, it kind of reminded me of like the an album cover with Aaliyah and R. Kelly's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and the cut yeah, looking Corliss over. Corliss being R. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Well, you know, they Corliss wasn't the only person watching. Um, Ray Nero was watching as well from afar. Um, and so was Rainey's. They were all kind of spying in on this cute little coupling. Uh, Heavy on the sarcasm there. Um, so Rainey's asked Rhaenyra, hey, does this bother you? And Rhaenyra's like, well, it's my dad's duty to remarry and strengthen his line. And Rainey's is like, I'm not trying to hear all that. Does it bother you? And like she, she, she doesn't need a lesson on politics. Like, be truthful. Tell me what's up. So Rhaenyra was like, does it bother you? And, you know, this is your daughter we're talking about. And she says, yeah, it does. But unlike you, I know the order of things. Um, And so, like, whether Viserys marries later or not, he was going to remarry and he's going to have a son. And when that son is born, the realm will demand for him to be heir. And that's the true order of things. Um, so then like Rhaenyra kind of gets all like big and buck because she was like, you know, the, they already well, Rhaenys basically says they already had the chance to elect a queen. Right. And they passed me over. So Rhaenyra was like, no. Yeah, they passed you over. They bowed before me. They bent the knee before me. And she's like, girl, because your daddy is still alive and well. What do you think is going to happen when he has a son and he passes like that male heir is going to be the one the realm would rather burn the seven kingdoms to the ground than ever bow down to a queen, ever see a queen rise on the iron throne. And, you know, she's giving her the realness. Like you're get your head out the clouds. You're, you're not going to get what you want. So I'll stop there for you guys to chime in. Ooh, the shade, the shade. It was like princess R versus princess R in this scene yes. where they was going at it. Um, but I don't know, I kind of enjoyed this because I was always kind of thinking in my mind, I'm like, what, what happens when they meet? You know, the one that like the queen that, that, you know, never was versus the one that has a chance, you know, and then it's like different generations. You know, one is more, one is more jaded than the other. Cause she's like, nah, they never giving it to a, to a woman. You know, Renee is like, she got that fire. So she's like, okay, I'm gonna make that happen. I see your challenge that you just put out in front of me. So yeah, I, I love that scene. Them going back and forth. These two women, these two powerful women kind of showing you know, like what they've learned, what they gathered. And I'm just saying women should just rule anyway. So I don't know what's going to take for them to get this, but we'll, we'll see what's going to happen. Absolutely. Jamie. Yeah. So, I mean, I absolutely love this scene. I'm, I'm loving Rainey's. Uh, Eve Bess is killing it right now. I don't know if I said her name right. Rainey's. Yeah. I yeah, said it right. Yeah, okay. Rainey's. Yay. Um, I'm trying to get used to these names cause they're all similar, <laughs> but you had mentioned in our first episode, Angelica, that she was giving you Elena Tyrell vibes and she totally yeah. is like, I'm definitely getting some, some queen of thorns vibes going on with her in this scene. And when she said, and that's the order of things like that is mm-hmm. such a great line. Like the line in and of itself could be the title of a book featuring her as the protagonist and it's just her story and that's the order of things um so i i really would love to just see more of us and i i i hope that the series does feature more of her character because from what i've heard um rainey's has an incredible story in the fire and blood universe um 
And, you know, the order of things is really the cornerstone of this show, that this is a very unfair thing of how they choose heirs to the throne and how she was overlooked. Um, and, and there was disorder, as I mentioned before. Like, there, there really hasn't been a proper order of how an heir has been assigned for generations and generations in the Targaryen line. So the moment where that opportunity was there, they squandered it by overlooking her, the, the queen who never was now. Um, so it's, it's unfortunate, but I'm, I'm here for her shade cause she's ready to throw it. <laughs> cause she's just like, well, what do I got to lose at this point? So, um, so yeah, that, that was a great scene. Yeah, definitely. agree with you guys. Um, so the series is now having a meal with Allison and once again, he's asking her for advice, you know, should I marry Lena? And she encourages him to remarry and says, like, as long as the queen that you choose is, is good and kind, I think it'll be fine. And she thinks Lena is kind and good. So, yeah, go for it. Um, and she gives him a nice little gift. She gives him the stone dragon. She got it repaired for him. And you can tell he is touched by this, like his little heart. That's like uh-huh. that's like giving a guy that has a train set. A new shiny red caboose. He's very excited <laughs> about having this <laughs> this little dragon. Um, and of course, their moment gets interrupted. Otto walks in. Um, he's called an emergency meeting of the small council. So they all go rush into the to the small council um, room, hall, whatever. Um, a dragon keeper is there. He advises a small council a thief stole a dragon's egg. He says it's Damon. And they're all like, well, why would Damon do that? But apparently Damon left behind a message. He is going to marry Masaria. He's the he, he and he also styles himself the rightful heir at that. Um, she's gonna take her Masaria as his second wife. She's with child. Um, and she will assume the title Lady Masaria of Dragonstone, and he invites Viserys to his wedding the nerve of this guy um and (laughs) and Rhaenyra just wants to know one thing what egg was stolen what was taken and the dragon key like what (laughs) get to the point whose egg was it what egg was it so um the zookeeper said it was dreamfire's egg um and that was the egg that Rhaenyra chose for her younger brother Balon so essentially what Targaryens do when they have babes, new babies, um, they have the dragon eggs. It's to, it's to help the bonding. They have the dragon eggs in the same crib as the baby. So basically the baby, the dragon hatch, they're, they're crib mates. They have a bond. So this, I'm going to say this Negro, David <laughs> took, <laughs> took the egg <laughs> meant for her little brother for his future child. So already Rhaenyra's pissed off. Everybody's pissed off, but Rhaenyra's really pissed off. So due to Damon's actions, Viserys finally gets up in his feelings and he requests Otto assemble a detachment. He will be on his way to Dragonstone to confront his brother, drag him back from Dragonstone, bring him to justice. Otto is like, mm, it's going to be too dangerous. I'll go in your stead. So while he's getting ready, Alicent is helping him like get dressed. And, um, and I don't think I picked up on this too much from the first episode, but in hindsight, I see it. So if you notice at the, the King's tourney, Alicent has a little bit of anxiety. She picks apart like her nail beds. So when she's helping Otto get ready to leave, 
he grabs her by her hands and he's like, you're the comeliest girl in court. Why do you destroy yourself? So it kind of gives me a little bit of insight to her personality. You know, all these games she has to play, all these different stories she has to keep straight, all these different people that are confiding in her. It like gets to her um, to the point that she's like picking apart the skin on her nails. Um, and he asked, are you going to see the king tonight? And she was like, if you would like, if you wish, if if you would like me to. So that's why I kind of get the vibe that, no, this is more Otto's doing rather than Allison playing a game, even though she very much enjoys Viserys' company. I, I think it's really Otto pressuring her and obviously the pressure is getting to her. So, you know, Otto and the Kingsguard depart, head over to Dragonstone. So, you know, Chris, Kristen Cole is with them. So is Sir Harold. Um, and they meet. Damon like at the center of those windy steps that lead up to the castle at Dragonstone so they kind of like stop in the middle Damon's swaggerific pulls up like what's up y'all you know (laughs) welcome to my island (laughs) and you know he got his gold cloaks behind him he got his lady Masaria behind him he's holding he's like like tossing the dragon egg up and down like it's a football I was like this guy just has The disrespect level. <laughs> so cocky. So, so no shame. Swaggerific. So Otto is just like, get back the egg, you know, disband your army, banish your whore, and leave Dragonstone by order of the king. And Damon doesn't take it seriously at all. He's like, okay, so where's my, where's the king at? Where's the series? Why isn't he here? And, you know, Otto was like, man, stop playing games. So then he notices Christian Cole and he was like, it's Kristen, right? He's like, oh, I almost forgotten who you were. And then Kristen get his little dig in. He's like, I bet you didn't forget when I knocked you off your horse, though. And I was like, yes, get your shot, man. (laughs) (laughs) So Otto was like, you know, stop playing games. Let's get to the matter of hand. This has gone on far too long. And Damon's like, I'm just trying to uphold the customs of my house. Like, I want my son to have a dragon egg. And he's like, these customs that you're claiming to uphold, they're reserved for the true board children of royalty, not bastards conceived with a common whore. And then you can tell Masaria's face crack. She was like, excuse me? <laughs> you gonna let him talk to me like that? Um, so there's a standoff at this point, you know. You know, Otto, Otto's not having it. Damon's not having it. Otto's like, you want a result to bloodshed? You want me to like, you know. I think he said something along the lines of like killing your your whore and and and, her, and your unborn child. So that's when all the swords come out and get drawn. And Otto was like, "Hey, if this results to violence, you're declaring war on the king." And Damon goes, "Wonderful." <laughs> I was like, "He is something else." So he's not backing down. And so while all this is happening, his red dragon Caraxes kind of picks up on the bad vibes, and he's kind of perches over top of them. He's making his presence known. And then suddenly, Rhaenyra pulls up on the back of Cyrex. Like, out of nowhere, out of the cloud parts. She just pulls up. She dismounts like a boss. She walks between both parties, and she tells the guys behind her, like, calm down, don't get too excitable, because Cyrex is very, you know, protective of me. And she walks up to Damon, and she's like, why are you in my castle? Because if you remember in the previous episode... The series named her Princess of Dragonstone. So Dragonstone actually belongs to her. And Damon's like, Yeah, it's your castle until you become of age. 
And he, you know, they kind of go back and forth a little bit. And Rhaenyra is like, you know, you've angered my father. And he's like, for what? I'm getting married. But he's not happy with my marriage. And she's like, oh, so is that why you stole my brother's egg? So it turns out, I don't know how this got brought up, but Masaria just leaves. She storms out. And we later find out that she was never pregnant at all. So I don't even know what what he's getting at, but he's trying to get under Viserys' skin. So she tells, Rhaenyra tells Damon, like, look, I'm here. I'm the reason why you got disinherited. You know, if you want to get back on the throne, kill me. Get it over with. Stop playing games. And he can't do it. And of course, being the sore loser that he is, he walks off and like throws the egg back at uh, Rhaenyra. And she takes the egg, gives it to, you know, her peoples and rides on the back of her dragon. So I'll, I'll stop there for you guys to give your thoughts on this uh very fun scene. Oh, man. Yeah, this, I, first of all, yeah, like, and first of all, what was Otto getting ready to do? He wasn't getting ready to do nothing. Because <laughs> Caraxes came up behind him, and he was like, y'all, put the, put the swords back. Like, he got scared real quick. He was like, put the swords back in um, when Caraxes came up behind him. But, yeah, I don't think Otto was getting ready to do nothing in that situation. So, I'm glad that Rhaenyra came up like a boss that she is and was like, look, I'm about to handle this. Because, you know, her and, her and Damon got that vibe um, where they, like, you know, they understand each other. They work around each other. So... I like when she when she pulled up and she was like, look, give me this egg back. We ain't got time for this. You up you up in Dragonstone. You making up lies. Give me the egg back. You ain't get ready to do nothing. She stepped to him. Damon needs that. He only going to back down when you step up to him. When you give him like that, that, you know, that left or right choice and he got to make a decision. Um, he going to think it out, especially when it comes to her, which I like. Like I got I like that. She is like that. She's got that, like, you know, that, that finger on him, sort of say, and she could kind of read him and she kind of show up and he's like, I'm, she's like, I'm done with this game. Like, you need to get ready to do nothing. Give me the egg back. Go back to doing what you're doing. So I like that he has somebody that checks him because he's all the way arrogant. Like, we already know this. He already think, like, when he show up on the scene, the party's starting. Uh, but Sarah's ain't get ready to do nothing about it. So I don't ain't get ready to do nothing about it. So, you know, like, I go back to my point. The women is, like, ruling it right now. Like, I don't know when they're going to get this. Because, you know, she got the egg back. So, um, and, you know, they could have listened to her. They could have really avoided all this because she really gave this plan in the beginning. She was like, you know, you got dragons, right? Like, why don't you just go back and get it? But they like, no, a woman can't possibly know this. But, yeah, I, I like the scene. I like how um, um, Sarah was also, she was like, I'm tired of you, Damon. She walked off because she was like, you ain't tell me none of this. You just came out, started running your mouth, didn't tell me nothing. And so she had to go back into the, you know, Dragonstone Castle. So, yeah, uh, he basically he was just trying to do all the women wrong and they were just trying to call him left and right. So, yeah, he's yeah. Damon is like mm, he gonna be that guy. Like Jamie said, it's going to be like, uh, how much are you going to hate him? And it's like, is he ever going to have like any kind of redeeming qualities? Probably not because it's Damon. But, you know, he part of family. They can't get rid of him. No. Jamie? Yeah, I mean, this was a series of scenes that you just broke down. So starting from the beginning, like, we see an evolution of his arrogance in full display here. Like, he sends this letter, an invite, and I think it was like two days later that he gets the invite to, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm getting married. <laughs> Feel free to show up. So it's like, okay, <laughs> wow, dude, really? So that's number one. Then, you know, they show up over at Dragonstone. And I do like that moment, which I think was featured in, like, all the trailers of Matt sort of, like, walking up and with the, the egg and everything and his full regalia with the gold cloaks in the background. I gotta say, I when Matt 
Smith was first cast in this role, I was like, really? The Doctor Who guy? Is this is this what we're doing? I, I wasn't fully convinced that he would make a good Damon. But now I'm like, he is nailing this role. He really, really yeah. is. And um, the arrogance between his character and Kristen Cole, I love that moment. I just love that exchange between the two of them. <laughs> He's like, well, oh, you remember me, you know, knocking you off your horse? Like, I, that was so awesome seeing that. And I, and I hope to see those moments more with Damon. I mean, I'm sure we will because he's probably ticked off a lot of people. Um, but yeah, like that, that was, that was really great to see. And again, like this guy is just so full of himself. He's just so cocky. And I feel like Matt is just having a really good time. Cause I think during the podcast, Angelica, that we did with Greta Johnson, she was talking about Matt Smith and how he's always played like these kind of good guy roles. And like, this yeah. is something that he's probably really just going ham with and just like going in. Um, so that that is going to be probably an interesting journey for him as an actor. And then one last thing to add to with respect to Masaria, that was really jacked up. It's like you did this whole performance act, <laughs> having everybody believe that she was your wife, doing this wedding invitation, saying that she's with child, and you didn't even let her know that she was in <laughs> on the joke. <laughs> like, what in the Like, he is a, a whole new level of just arrogance and cockiness. And I would arguably say he's even more arrogant than Jamie Lannister. Like oh, I for sure. Yeah, for I sure. I did not think Jamie could get any like I didn't think anybody could be more arrogant than Jamie, to be honest. But Damon, he is definitely exceeded him on that front. So yeah, this guy is he is something else. Yeah. Um yeah, he's a mess. And actually, um when I said it was later revealed, actually it wasn't. When Rhaenyra said, um, you know, you took the egg for your son and he was just like I mean I can have a son one day like he just he doesn't think I have right he's <laughs> he like oh yeah we, we can have kids I mean <laughs> like really dude well you know since you mentioned it Masaria isn't happy about him lying on her uterus like she was like dude do you know what I've been through <laughs> Um, like, do you know what I've been, he like tries to like go up behind her and kiss her like, oh yeah. And she was like, you really were, weren't going to tell me that I'm pregnant and we're going to get married. He's like, yeah, we'll get married on the morrow. And actually I'll do a quick side note. So in the book, Masaria really was going to marry him and she really was pregnant. Um, and, you know, Damon do is basically does as he's told. He sends the egg back and then he sends Masaria back to Lise, where she's originally from. And there was a big storm at sea and she loses the Bateman, the, the Bateman, the baby. <laughs> so as a result of losing that child because of Viserys' order, Damon's hardened towards Viserys. So I'm thinking they didn't include that plot point because at some point in the series, you know, Damon's going to make up with Viserys. And I, I think he can get over this situation, but he's not going to get over like him being responsible for the loss of his child. So, you know, brief side note there. So yeah, Masaria is like, I'm not here to play games with you. I, you know, you swore to protect me. And, you know, he's like, I'll keep you safe. I promise. And she's like, no, you can afford to play games. You're a king. You know, you're, a, you're a prince. 
I'm like a lowly whore. <laughs> um, I came to you for protection. I, I didn't come to you to for, you know, for money, for power. I came to you to be liberated. And he's like, from what? And she says, fear. So, you know, she's not about to be his plaything. She's looking for more. She's looking to no longer, you know, be someone's plaything. I mean, that's really the only way I can describe it. So for that, some more points are handed out today. I, I respect Miss Aria for not going along with Damon and his BS, basically. Yeah, she commanded respect. You know, the only way she can get it, because, you know, they're going to straight up disrespect her as she continues to move through this, um, because she's choosing, like, a different path. Um, and, you know, it's all about your name and where you come from. So I like how she was like, look, I'm commanding respect in this scene. So, yeah, your next move is what you're going to do, but this is what you're not going to do. So I like that. Yeah, I mean, she's she, a, she's a working woman. And this is a quid pro quo kind of relationship for her. So she's going to stand up for what she believes in and what she's going to get out of this. And I mean, I can't fault her for that. So it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I ain't got nothing but respect for that. You know, do do you, girl. Do you, boo-boo. And, you know, later uh, later on, at least by the book, she does become a bigger player. Um, so we have to look out for Miss Masaria. Uh, so the series is back, um, at the Red Keep. He meets, I wouldn't say in secret, but he meets alone with Lord Lionel Strong and he requests his unencumbered opinion. And, you know, for what it's worth, Sir Lionel seems like one of the only people on the small council that doesn't have ulterior motives. Seems like he really is just looking out for the king. So, you know, he knows Corlys isn't his biggest fan since his wife has passed over in favor of him. And he wonders, you know, if Lena would be a good match. So it seems like he's asking everybody and their mom, is Lena a good match for me? Because I, I don't think he wants to marry a 12-year-old. So Lionel believes Lena would be a good match. Um, and denying their daughter, the Villarian's daughter, is going to be a bad decision. And then even the series finally voices this. He's like, she's just so young. And Lionel's like, she'll come of age. Like, she'll grow up. Um, so he's like, yeah, I think you should marry this girl. It'll make you guys, you know, great allies. Uh, so, you know, you feel like the conversation is going in the right direction. This might actually happen. Uh, us viewers at home are clearly uncomfortable with this. But, yeah, this, it seems like by all means a good plan. But Viseers is interrupted because Rhaenyra has just gotten back from Dragonstone. He's like, what do you mean Rhaenyra just got back from Dragonstone? She left? Um, so he's pissed. He's like, you went to Dragonstone without my leave? You know, not only the fact that this is a father being upset at his daughter, this is a king. She's doing things without his permission. As, and then she, on top of that, she's his only heir. So she could have been killed. So Rhaenyra was like, well, I got the egg back without any bloodshed. That's not something Otto could do by himself. And he kind of deflates at this point. He calms down. And he's at this point, he's kind of amazed at her. Like, wow, you, you really are just like your mother. Um, and he says that her mother's absence is like a wound that won't heal. Um, the Red Keep has lost its warmth and he's not sure it'll ever recover. And Rhaenyra is very happy to hear this because she wants to know that her dad is grieving right along with her. So they, you know, they reconcile it. And he says, like, I, I understand that you're a grown woman now, which is the thing that she wished when she was talking to Allison back at the Great Sept. And he just says, like, all I ask you that you know what's expected of me as the king. And she says, I get it, dad. You have to get married. And he reassures her, like, I'm not going to replace your mom. And just like, I'm not going to replace you. So it seems like they're on 
good terms at this point. And, you know, they both agree he needs to remarry to produce a new heir to strengthen the line. Because right now, as it stands, they're very vulnerable. And if Rainier dies, like that line is just going to be too easily stamped out. So they have to protect themselves. And Rainier is like, against who? And he's like, whoever dares to challenge us. So she gives her dad his blessing. So when they have this meeting at the small council where he's about to make the big announcement, you know, we all think that it's going to be Lena. He even Corley's kind of like perks up when he says like, okay, I'm ready to announce who's going to be my wife to be. And he looks at Allison and Rainier catches that. And you could tell like her face cracked. Like she's just like, Oh, what? Like she put two and two together. And then he says that, that he's going to marry Allison and Corliss is pissed. He is pissed off because once again, his family is being passed over and he kind of like basically yells at Viserys and Viserys is like, I'm the king. I'm your king. So Corliss storms out. Rhaenyra takes, you know, is taken about by this announcement. She leaves. She's hurt. So it's just a whole big hurtful scene. (laughs) So what did you guys make of this? This world that uh, Mr. Martin himself has created for us. I always feel like I'm in a jam where I don't know what's good, what's bad in this scenario. Um, you know, where he's like, this world is very good at crafting that, where you feel so uncomfortable with one decision, but then you're also like, but it lines up on paper. So like, you know, when he made the decision about Allison, I was like, that's, if you think about being a king and ruling Westeros and ruling like King, in King's Landing and how things are supposed to fit and how things are supposed to line up, that was a horrible decision. Like how much power you can have and like where your family lineage comes from. That was a bad decision. But then you go back to like, who is going to marry a 12 year old? Like, it's so weird. It's so weird and random. And it's just like, yeah, I I felt caught up. Like you said, the whole scene was just bad. It was just, it was just like bad all around. Like Renera storms out because that's her BFF. Cordless yet again is trying to get to get through the people and they just not listening to him. They not hearing them because it's like what the King says goes and yeah i just i just like it's like you it's like that love hate relationship i always felt with this world um because it's like you so caught up in that like i was sitting there thinking why in the why would he make that decision like it's a it's horrible as a king it's like you are a bad king like you you do not make good decisions when it comes to ruling the land that you've been given but again 12 year old so yeah i I was definitely torn in this scene so yeah i bet a lot of people felt like which way is he gonna go with this but I mean, soon to be Queen Allison. So, you know, she's going to get that game. That game going to keep strong. She get ready to pick up some new stuff. Yeah, I mean, Viserys is not the typical king and the fact that he's not interested in uh, marrying, like, a child child bride. I mean, <laughs> I guess Allison is sort of, you know, that, but not to the point where she's, like, a preteen, right? Yeah. So, um, Viserys, I... I I guess I could kind of give him points for that <laughs> a little bit, you know? Um, but he lets, I agree with you, Ryan. Like he makes really bad decisions and that's why he's not a good king. And that is why he is very weak. And that is why his council basically walks all over him. That's why Corliss is infuriated right now. Um, and that is why also I believe Viserys is the kind of person that lets his emotions get the best of him. He lets his emotions make his decisions for him. And and I think ultimately that's what led to this decision about being with Alicent. 
I don't think it had anything to do with the realm. I don't think it had anything to do with, you know, who was going to be his next heir or trying to, um, you know, be able to get her pregnant and, and trying to produce a male heir that way. He just got really caught up in feelings with Allison, in my opinion. Um, so I think that that's what led to that decision. And he didn't listen to the advice of Otto. He didn't listen to the advice of Corliss or, or, um, any of the, or Lord Lionel Strong to what they thought would be best for the realm. And these decisions are going to have consequences. Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, the only person that wasn't surprised at this was obviously Otto. He was sitting there, you know, smirking, you know, his his brilliant plan <laughs> came to fruition. Yeah. Uh, it did. <laughs> yep. But, you know, there's going to be consequences for this. You know, I, obviously, you can tell at this point, any relationship between Rainier and Allison, it, it's not going to go back to what it was. They're not going to be BFFs anymore. I'm sorry. My best friend married my dad. Uh, that's a wrap on our relationship. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's yeah, curtains. it's problems. It's problems. Um, and now, obviously, <laughs> there's going to be consequences when it comes to the Valarians and Corlys. Um, so, you know, Corlys is at he, he Corlys is so mad he goes back home. Okay, he's back at Driftmark. Um, and he has company. And, you know, he's, he's sitting by the fire talking to someone. Um, he kind of... Sp- speaks on the Valarian's history. His house is an ancient house of old Valyria, even more ancient than the Targaryens. Um, they actually, the Valarians were also the first to be in Westeros. They were there before uh, the Targaryens as well. So unlike the Targaryens, his family, they weren't, they weren't dragon lords. Um, they were seafarers who had to earn their place. And Corlys himself took it upon himself to build his own wealth by seizing it at sea. So, you know, it's revealed that the person that's seated next to him at the fireplace is Damon. Um, he believes he and Damon are made from the same cloth. And then Damon has this funny line. He's like, oh, I didn't know you had a brother that was that, that's the king. And he's just like, no, but we're both men who have, have to cut their own way in this world. And we've been passed over too often. Um, and Corlys tells him he's petitioned the king to use his own navy because like you said Jamie he's a very wealthy man he has his own navy okay he doesn't need anything from the king only really permission and he's asked the king to use his own navy to go after the crab feeder uh you know Viserys told him no and then he's just like you know my hands are tied because if I allow the crab feeder to do his thing eventually he's going to take he's going to take control of the shipping lanes which are off of his you know basically what he relies on these are his ports um so his house is going to be crippled because of this and then he you know he's not going to let it happen he's like we have to do something about it so he proposes to join forces with Damon um he'll get to secure his lands and Damon will have the opportunity to prove his worth to anyone who questions him. So it's going to be his way. They're both going to be able to come up off of this as they're the realm's second sons. You know, their work is not given to it. They have to make it for themselves. And Damon agrees. And that's how we end the episode. The the alliance of Damon and Corlys. I just love that moment yeah, where... Oh, go ahead, Ryan. No, no go ahead. Go ahead, James. Go ahead. Go for it. I, I just love that moment, and I forgot specifically what Corla's said, but he had said something that was shady about Viserys, and then oh, Damon yeah. was like, yeah. watch your tongue or something. <laughs> yeah. Like It's like, okay, we can form this alliance, but don't you speak down on my brother. And I just thought that that was a very interesting moment, because it's like... yeah. 
even though we see that they have this tempestuous relationship and that they are these rivals, he still takes up for his brother when other people talk down about him. So that that was just a very um, intriguing moment for me when I when I saw Corliss and, and Damon having that talk by the fire. Yeah, it's like you that's like when someone's like, you can talk about my brother. all. I mean, I can talk about my brother all you want, but you can't like <laughs> slow it down. <laughs> Yeah, he got some kind of code, so yeah, I like that. I also love that that uh, the last line that you were saying, Angelica, that Corliss said about um, the worth is not given to you, you have to make it. I thought that was so cool for him to get to deliver that line. Um, and then, like, uh, Steve Toussaint, hopefully I'm pronouncing his name right, is just acting his butt off. Like, I love him in this role. Um, I saw the when he when he talked about the panel at Comic-Con, and he was like, a lot of people were coming at him, you know, as they always do, because this is obviously it's not supposed to be a black man playing this role. And so I love that he gets those moments like that, that I think are so powerful and, you know, however you want to take them. Um, And, you know, the fact that he gets to keep repeating that he, you know, his family had to, you know, they had to work for this and work hard for what they built and what it means to him. So I think that's so cool that he gets to have that moment like every once in a while. And and this team up right here with with Damon is going to be real, real interesting because both of these guys don't play. They, they fight. So, you know, it, it's, it's going to be real, real interesting to see where this goes. Yep. Yep. Um, and I think uh, back to what you were saying about Steve Toussaint, he'd mentioned, you know, the criticism about him being cast. He said, uh, if if House of the Dragon can have flying dragons, you can have a black <laughs> Valarian. So <laughs> yeah. calm, calm yourself. So, yeah, this is, uh, I guess, the beginning of a beautiful friendship, as they say. Um, and that's where we leave it. And then as they were having this conversation, of course, they were intercutting scenes of the crab feeder uh, torturing more sailors. So you kind of know, like, the, the 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 stakes and the risks that they're going into trying to take down this, this guy. Um, going to be interesting to see more of that play out. So, yeah, that's how the episode wraps. And, you know, we have to wait patiently for next week. I'm excited. I'm excited that obviously we got a lot of folks on Twitter joining us on the hashtag dragons y'all and that Nathalie Emanuel acknowledges it and hopefully she will be joining us as well. And those of you listening, you know, if you just now tuning into this episode, come on and join us. It's a lot of fun. You know, we put out little gifts and is it gifts or gifs? I always forget. Um, but we, I say gifts. Gifts, yeah. yeah. <laughs> gifts, you know, little little stuff out there, images and stuff. And we really make it fun and engaging for you guys to uh, be able to enjoy watching the show while conversing with us on Twitter. So Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Dragons Y'all hashtag. And then shortly after this podcast episode will be out and um, also, you can see a recap on blackgirlnerds.com. So check that out as well. Yeah, I'm ready to tweet about Otto. So I'm ready now. I got to get in the game. Yes. He got me in my feels for this episode. <laughs> Ryan have to stay up past her bedtime to get in on the action. I know. Y'all mess with my bedtime. But Otto, Otto done made me mad. So I'm ready to go for the third All episode. Right. All right. Well, I guess we will definitely get into it next week. But in the meantime, like Jamie said, join us on Twitter. Hashtag dragons, y'all. All right. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.